You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WCMJ. This is a sports podcast based that talks about NBA, football, and anything else that can come to the sports fan mind. We stick to the educated and the diehard fans, as well as the casual listener as well. Our show is brought to you by New Taylor & Associates, located at newlawoffice.com. You can also check out our wonderful sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Strip Cam Fun also helps bring you this podcast, as well as our sponsors at Stay Classy Meats, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order of the freshest meat available in the United States. Now, let's take it over to our host. Here's Nate and Tim bringing you this week's edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. It's Wide Men Can't Jump, and we're back again for another week of sports debacles. We've got upset pansies in Philly. We've got crazy people in Columbus, Ohio, pretending they're a football team. Aunt Jemima known as Cam Newton has been released, and there's also no Jeff this week. But there is the coldest man known on the side of the earth. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The coldest human being that ever existed is my co-host, Tim Dombrova. Hello, Tim. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Are you under pressure? Ice, ice, baby. No, I'm doing the stole. You missed the note. You missed the note. I'm doing the stole version. (laughs) You missed the note. Yeah, I I could miss 10 and not miss as many as the singing of that abomination of a song. Hey, now stop. Collaborate and listen. (laughs) Yeah, was such such an artiste that he now does a home renovation show. Well, so did... So did Tim the Tool Man Taylor. He did a fake home renovation show. And it was awesome, wasn't it? Yes, but he got paid for that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Vanilla Ice gets paid. Yeah, probably. But obviously, he doesn't get paid for music anymore. Well, at least not for that song. You know, now you got me wondering. What? Wondering what? Vanilla Ice worth. Oh, he's probably worth it. I mean, he really only had one hit, right? Take a wild guess at what Robert Matthew Van Winkle, better known as Vanilla Ice, is worth. Uh, He's probably worth a couple, uh, five million. More. Hmm. Maybe he's been awfully successful in his uh, other careers because I would have guessed back then he probably didn't. I mean, he had to have paid Queen something for that. I would think, anyway. I know he did. <laughs> well, didn't he, didn't he get sued? He did. Yeah, so there's that. Um, and whether he owned any rights to his, you know, what kind of a cut he was getting back then, I don't know. It's not like now where so many of them own all their rights and publishing and music and all that stuff. According I, I, to this, Vanilla Ice's net worth, $12 million. Well, I mean, you know, if he made... If he made some decent bank and he wasn't stupid with it, which might sounds explain... Like, sounds like he wasn't too stupid with yeah, it. Which might explain why he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah, Maybe he doesn't he, have to. He doesn't have to. And there you that's go. Kind of, and that's kind of a dead genre, the white rapper thing, kind of. Unless your name is Mar- Marshall Mathers. Yeah, but he, has a, he can actually rap, though. 
Yeah, he's good. Whereas, I mean, and I'm not a fan of any of that stuff, but I'll give credit where you're not a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch kind of guy. No, the only thing like that I can even remotely get behind, and I don't even know that that's rap really, is uh, House of Pain. Ah, jump around. Yeah, I, I I have very many times wanted to rewrite the lyrics to that, or to uh, what's the other one, uh, Chris Cross. Jump, oh, uh, jump. jump. Yeah, Daddy make you jump. So I always wanted to change it to white man will make you jump, jump. <laughs> I thought, you know, that was a possibility, but we'd probably get sued into the next millennium. But So, uh, no Jeff, eh? Um, no, no Jeff this week. Unfortunately, Jeff was tied up, and uh, due to <laughs> massive rain and flood issues down here, there has... Uh, there's sadly been uh, some phone line issues and, and things of that nature. So Jeff will not be with us this week. However, I did speak with him. He gave me, because uh, we will be doing picks against the spread later, and we will be finishing up our our, uh, our major talk on who we have going and winning the Super Bowl. And uh, we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Chapmanville Tigers. Yes. Uh, so that's, uh, that's where we're headed soon, but Jeff gave me his picks. He, we are up to date with him. Talk to him. Uh, so no worries on Jeff. It's so we just can, he, we can here. like mock him without fear of retribution. Well, I'm sure. Why not? I mean, I mean we Jeff, do that with everybody anyway. I mean, and the so-called Jeff method. The Jeff method. Well, you think, you know, the Jeff method, you just wait until you hear these picks for the games <laughs> against the friend. <laughs> Well, we thought we thought it was by ranking, but that's pro- that maybe is only in college football. I don't know well, what. Like the I Jeff said, Jeff we're going to be doing picks pros. against the spread for college football this week, and uh, you wait till you hear some of the the Jeff picks this week. You'll you'll uh, you'll think Jeff method. I'll put it that way. But Tim, how did we do against the spread last well, week? Well, I'm happy to announce that you and Jeff were two and two. Yeah. As Nebraska let us all down. Course. Laid an egg. Damn. God, there. I didn't think they were that bad. I watched that game. Good lord. Remember when Ooh. Nebraska was really good? Me too. Yeah, they aren't anymore. And then uh, you guys got UTEP wrong, which, I mean, full marks there because who really knew? That was kind of a guess. So you went two and two, but I, uh, I was three and four with the UTEP call. You mean so, three and one? Or three and one? Sorry, three out of four. I, I okay. meant to say. All right, well, we'll we'll keep track of that. We got a lot of games to pick this week. Let me see how many Jeff picking. One, two, three, four, five. I was going to say, there was a lot of games, but, I mean, I hope he didn't wasn't picking, like, like no 18. game. 18 see, games. He Just picked them all? Top 25. Good God. And that's what we're going to do, baby. <laughs> well, he might be using the royal we there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Oh, oh, what's what's that? Uh, Sorry, Nathan, can't hear you. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) Try to pull that on me. All right, let's... uh, But we got to start. We got to start. I I wasn't... uh, I apologize for not giving you a view of my beautifulness. Yes, I I, I couldn't see you. Now I can. It's okay. I I feel bad now. Well, now we have to start with a story so unbelievably crazy that it just has to be true. And it's getting weirder. Is it, is it not? Is it not getting even stranger? It's getting weirder after the initial report. But well, why I'll don't you? you why don't you? Uh, yeah. 
Here, I don't, know where, I don't know where to start because it's yeah, that's so the bizarre. Like, you that's, don't know what to believe anymore. Uh, things are going absolutely strange. And I sent him a, a, an article about the team Bishop Sycamore, which apparently was based out of Ohio, per se. Now, there have been multiple reports going around that Bishop Sycamore is not a school that is a made-up school. Nobody's heard of them. But now there are reports going around that says Bishop Sycamore is a school. That okay, they buddy, Okay, did you read the last one, though, where it gets weirder that, like, they don't have an address? Yeah, they don't have an address. They have a P.O. box listed. Did the ad the 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 and the PO box is nowhere near, yeah, uh, near anything. The um, school board does not have a Bishop Sycamore High School under their auspices. Yeah, they're not listed on there, and apparently they don't have a website. And um, there's nothing on like Rivals.com or Max Prep. Um, there's nothing. And they claim to have had division one prospects on their team. Yeah, well, they, were they don't appear anywhere in these websites. They, they were division one prospects in 2016 or 2014 or whatever, maybe. Cause apparently some of the guys playing are not high school kids. Supposedly. Yeah, apparently some of them are like junior college dropouts. I don't know. It just, nobody I mean, knows if this is a real school. Apparently it says, um, <laughs> Yahoo Sports did a nice write-up here. It says, you haven't mentioned the actual school yet. That's because there might not be one. The website makes no mention of classes or teachers or alumni or pretty much anything you might expect from a real high school website. Additionally, Bishop Sycamore was not listed as a charter school in the 21-22 school year by the Department of Education, according to USA Today. It was listed as a non-chartered, non-tax-supported school last year, by the Ohio Department of Education. The school chose to be non-chartered due to truly held religious beliefs. Okay, all right. And that, I suppose, possibly could be true, I guess. Here, but, here's some more. But, it, but it's just so weird. Here's some more. Where is the school located? The exact address is not known. Bishop Sycamore has des described as an online-only charter school. Currently lists a P.O. box as its address. It does this to protect students who reportedly were harassed prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, said founder Andre Peterson. Peterson claims Bishop Sycamore rented out building space prior to the pandemic. Here was his quote. Prior to COVID, the design of it, the design of it is they go into the building, they have their computers, they sit down, they do their classes. We have some adults that are there to monitor what they do. And it says here, according to this, the entire quote sounds extremely weird and suspicious. Yahoo agrees. To make things even more weird, a player who was reportedly a member of Bishop Sycamore's football team went private on Twitter. That player quarterback, Jalen Knight, is listed as a student at Perry Hall High School in Maryland on the website on, on the school website. Another player, Trillian Harris, also claims to play for Bishop Sycamore after three seasons at Colony High School in Ontario. Harris is listed as a senior at Mission Vahue High School. 
Bishop Sycamore launched a GoFundMe in August of 2021, seeking $20,000 to fund the football team. It made $140 before the fundraiser was stopped. Also, there's evidence the, pl- the team played in a game on the Friday before they played IMG Academy on ESPN. So this was a team that played two games in three days. And if you've ever played football, that ain't good. <laughs> that is all weird. But what I find more weird is what's the, okay, if it is in fact a scam, which I'm leaning towards, what's the end game of the, What's the scam exactly? That's a great question. Because they're not, they're not they're not making any so, money. Um, according to this, ESPN really got duped, huh? That they did, but they aren't the only ones. ESPN put the blame on Paragon Marketing Group, an organization responsible for securing the matchup. In a statement to Yahoo Sports, they regret that this happened, and we have discussed it with Paragon, which secured the matchup and handles the majority of our high school event scheduling. They have ensured us that they will take steps to prevent this kind of situation from happening moving forward. Okay, but who did anybody get paid like did they write it yeah right okay but i haven't heard any mention of it like did do high school team i mean it shouldn't be that hard to find out do high school teams that appear on espn get financially rewarded or not like well let's let's look at this when it comes to money anything else that we need to know about this head coach bishop sycamore's head coach roy johnson was fired on tuesday And Johnson was reportedly fired by Peterson, who found who from founding Bishop Sycamore coaches the offensive and defensive line to the team. Peterson informed USA Today Sports of the change and insisted Bishop Sycamore is no scam. If it's a scam and the kids are going to school and not doing what they're supposed to, then I'm scamming myself, he said. And apparently, uh, Roy Johnson faces an active warrant in Ohio. For fe- who was the coach for failure to appear in a domestic violence case that was eventually dropped to a criminal mischief charge. The warrant was issued July 2nd and remains active. In addition to that, Johnson will go to trial after defaulting on a $100,000 loan from First Merchants Bank. Johnson used that loan to operate Christians of Faith Academy. Johnson also faces a civil lawsuit after he allegedly did not pay a hotel bill of over $100,000 to house football players in 2018. I have a better question. Yes. It just occurred to me. Okay. Okay. They have a building, supposedly, where their kids go in and sit in front of computers and there's adults. Yeah. A, where are the teachers? If they're on computers, who's doing the teaching if it's online? If there's adults there, but they're not doing the teaching, who's doing the teaching? B, where does the football team practice? <laughs> you know, you ask questions that I just do not have the answer to. I mean, well, doesn't that occur to you that, you know, you've got a high school football team, supposedly. You probably need a field and uh, joining facilities like showers and all this sort of stuff, weight mm-hmm. room, these kinds of things. Okay, these guys don't appear. Like, you can't hide a football stadium. I mean, you might be able to sneak away a... You know, if there's only 100 kids in the school or something, you might be able to hide that somewhere. But where do you hide a football field? Did they not play any of this high school play any other sports? 
Another good question. I again, I don't have answers. Well, have you ever been to a high school that had a football, a men's football team, and nothing else? No basketball, no, no baseball, no track, no, no nothing except football. I'm call. I'm call. This is starting to sound like maybe is he pay? Are these guys that are involved on the team end? Are they like given money? Well, like it says here. Pay? How is how is Johnson dealing with these problems? Says you would probably not be shocked to hear that Bishop Sycamore football seems to be the answer, according to a former Ohio School Athletic Association investigator who had to say this to awful announcing when he was asked about the purpose of the program. Here's a quote. It's just for Roy Johnson to make money. I know he is because it can all be proven via court records. Schools, like he will call up powerhouse schools in Maryland and say, we will come play you, but golly gee, we are this struggling organization, so you need to pay us money to pay us to get there. And the school in Maryland will say, no problem. All of a sudden, hey, there's a lawsuit in Delaware County, Ohio, because Roy Johnson never paid the busing company. Okay, so where'd that money go? Maybe it went to the hotels. Nope, there's a lawsuit. He never paid the hotels. Maybe it went to helmet manufacturers. Nope, there's a lawsuit. Never paid them. So maybe it went to the banks where he took out the loans. Nope, lawsuits. He never paid the banks where he took out the loans. He just pockets the money. That investigator said some schools in Ohio openly ignored warnings about the shadiness of Christians of Faith Academy and Bishop Sycamore and proceeded to play games against them. I mean, okay, you you are very uh, active in the high school sports scene am, in, yes. in in your state. Yes. All right. Do you really? Is it possible that if you got the call tomorrow and they said, "Hey, we need you to call a game tomorrow," yeah, it's it's between Chapmanville uh-huh. and fill in the blank, and you had never heard of that school. Would yeah. you okay? Well, now would that not set up? And would Chapmanville, for a better arguments, would a high school football program in the state of West Virginia not recognize the name of another school and go, "Who are these guys?" Well, the first thing you would ask is, "Where? Who are they? And where the hell do they play?" Right, and, and then you would say, "Okay, if that's where they're at, what? It's some. I need information on them. I need to who know they, who they who they played." Who they play, what their record is, who's their players, who's their coach, things like that. Is, well, yeah. apparently, another thing that happened in this was they backed out of a conference call with ESPN at the last minute. There was a lot of stuff going on there, and and to me, if you back out of a conference call with ESPN, that's a red flag. Yeah, that, that should be the red flag. You're either an idiot or an idiot. One of yeah, the, you, yeah, there's not a lot of choices left. You're either not too bright or you're an idiot. One or the other. So, no. I, you know, it's. I think it's kind of a shame ESPN let this happen. Um, well, it should have never happened. No, no, and it's become kind of a laughing stock now. Believe it or not, they were actually this team was supposed to play. Down near where I'm at, they were supposed to come play Johnson Central Kentucky, which is a team that just beats the shit out of everybody. They're like a 5A Kentucky school, and they were supposed to play them, but apparently they canceled that game. I mean, is there any um, is there any chance? Okay, first of all, I have not heard any comment from the other team they played. Now, I would have to wonder, just a tiny part of me, and if it was college, I definitely wonder it. 
are these guys figuring out that this is a way to give an, uh, big programs a W? They can pad their stats. Or they can beat the living daylights out of us and make us look good. Or we'll make them look good. We'll make them look good, and they'll pay us for doing it. And let, think about it this way. Think about it like this. If a lot of those players are ex-high school players or players that, you know, hey, they can't, they're not eligible to play anymore, come play for that school, get to play again, get to travel. Who knows? Maybe the coach hands them a little bit of money. It's going to say there, there could be a few bucks changing hands a few there. bucks going around there, and you get to play football again. And as dumb as that sounds, I, I know people who would do that. I do too, because a lot of people don't realize this. This is something like, and this is something that that I talk to to friends of mine about when you graduate high school and you're done 90, I'd say 85% of high school athletes, they don't go play college. Now you can still go play pickup basketball. You know what I mean? You can still do that. You can still go play, you know, soccer baseball you can get a good baseball game together football is the one sport even a sandlot football game it's not the same i mean granted a pickup game's really not the same either but you know what i mean like you can't recreate the football games so i don't know maybe that has something to do with it we will uh We'll wait and find out. Is, is that your last word on the subject, Tim? Yeah, I, I want to hear some more um, digging. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll wait a week and, and, and look back and see what we can find out. Because I'm going to suspect that we're going to this. If they start digging, it's going to yeah. uncover. It's going to uncover a bunch of other stuff that might not have anything and to do with high may, school sports. And but, this may not be the only team like this in the country. Um, you know, in, yeah, it, it, it's it's a bad look and it's a really bad look for ESPN because that's yeah, never happen. but that just it's kind of funny at the same time. But I'll tell you what's not funny is uh, some of these schools that they were tied up with that they had to play. I don't know why they're not on the phone calling our good friend Stephen P. New from New Taylor and Associates. Give him a call, check him out. New Taylor and Associates online. So we'll hear from them. And on the other side, we'll talk a little more sports. We'll be back right after this. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling one 800 208 9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at one 800 203 9169 Stephen P. New answers to your legal questions. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On stripcamfun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. 
just head on over at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires. And you can take advantage of the good times being had on stripcamfun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because stripcamfun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. And that's the great sponsors here on Wide Men Can't Jump, New Taylor and Associates, and of course, our wonderful sponsors over at stripcamfun.com. Check them both out right now. And uh, we do thank uh, Mr. New, our wonderful, wonderful sponsor here on Wide Men Can't Jump. All right. Well, Tim, we got to touch on a, a what? <laughs> I just, I was just about to pull the curtain back for a moment and say, uh, Steve News wallet leaks money like my bladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't, I I can't I argue like, too much. I feel like a pregnant woman tonight. I just, oh, wow, it's something else. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, why don't we, uh, before we go too far, uh, congratulations to Stevie Browning, our buddy. Uh, he is in Portugal now, and he's back playing professional basketball again. Uh, uh, he's on. Go ahead. Is, is Stevie? Uh, he's a single man. Yes. Or is he married? He's, he's single. Oh boy! <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> <There's> a... <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to ask him point blank is uh, you pick Portugal just for the basketball? Mm -hmm. I do know that he's starting over there. He said he would be starting for that team. And uh, that's the premier league in Portugal in uh, their basketball league. So he, he'll be he over maybe, there. Uh, he maybe wants to, to uh, play and then he could probably come back and maybe he could start a program at Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> I hear they're looking. Um, because we got heard that playing for Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> That'd be a tough team. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. They, they ain't losing an high school squad. That yeah. Happening. Uh, Rajon Rondo has taken off. He will be joining the Memf uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. He has signed there. And uh, you'll hear a little bit more about the Lakers coming up here in just a little bit as I sit down with uh, Trevor Lane. Now, one guy we need to mention is Ben Simmons. <laughs> Ben Simmons has told the 76ers he does not intend to come to training camp and he no longer wants to be in Philadelphia. Well, Ben, um, <laughs> Philadelphia doesn't really want you there and they tried to get rid of you and they got no takers for that outrageous amount they wanted for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, nobody wait, should know. Wait, 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 uh, way to go and make your trade value worth even less, Ben. Really, really smart. He can he actually now that that's got out can he even hit the court in Philadelphia now? Um, no, well, they're gonna curse. They're gonna crucify him. Yeah, I mean they are going to crucify him for that statement. I mean this, let's be honest. I mean the 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 seventy sixers short of this off season have stood on you know walked on coals and broken glass supporting this guy and his lack of offensive capabilities beyond the stripe. Uh, I mean, management stuck up for him. Coaches stuck up for him. 
No, no, he's our guy. He's our guy. And now his response is, I don't want to play here no more because they tried to trade me in the offseason. I angry. Very sad, Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo, Ben, ben sad. I mean, I, I got to break it to him. I don't think anybody will want him. Well, that's not necessarily true. Well, they're not going to, like, if the, if the 76ers are, want what they want, and that's fine, they can't trade him. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And what what is the, and I don't know, what is the punishment? If he doesn't report, can they, like, suspend him without pay? Mm, I'm not sure, truthfully. I don't, yeah, I don't know what the CBA says for that. In in other sports, well, hockey, I know you can. You don't report, you don't have a medical reason not to report, and you've got a contract. We don't just, if that was the case, everybody would sit at home, right? I just, I ain't coming, give me my money. Like, you'd be foolish. Why would you bother to even play if you didn't have to? <laughs> Give me my yeah. check. I mean, you're not wrong there. I mean, he probably doesn't need the money. Although, I, for what he's getting paid, you think you'd be fool not to show up. But I don't know. It's a very uh, selfish, privileged move, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, you, hey, Ben, you want somebody to want to learn how to shoot a three? Even, even, like, you don't have to make them either. Just learn to shoot them. Well, again, this is a, I mean, this is, this is kind of a, a a thing that happens here. Philly had a high, high, uh, uh, wanting when they said, if you're going to trade for him, here's what we want. And nobody was biting at that. Everybody said, the hell yeah, with you. Cause it was nuts. But now with Simmons demanding the trade, they've lost a lot of their leverage. So they're according to let's uh I will I will read this here and there'll be some more to talk about here. As the Ben Simmons saga rolls on, the team that remains most consistently linked with Ben Simmons is the Minnesota Timberwolves. What a shock. John Krasinski reported Tuesday that they are in conversations with teams in Las Vegas. I came away with the impression the T-Wolves were the team that was most active in talks to try to make a Simmons deal happen. The following was reported by our buddy Keith Pompey in the day that says the Simmons told the Sixers he would like to be traded and did not plan to report to training camp. Uh, Simmons not reporting would seem to freeze his trade value at what has to to be its lowest point. He won't have a chance to rehab value by starting the seasons, and it could have a chance lower of playing poorly or continuing to struggle at the line if that happens. Um, I have heard here the Wolves could dispense future picks, but the all-star level player is tough, tougher to envision. Krasinski reported the Wolves wouldn't part ways with Carl Anthony Towns and that they are keeping Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. It's fair to question that he would move the needle for Philly. Uh, he's been an upgrade offensively, but a major liability on the defensive end. Plus Krasinski noted the wolves have talked all summer about being a team of towns, Edwards and Russell around Simmons from that perspective. Then the wolves are going to have to offer Malik Beasley, Terry and Prince, Jade McDaniels, and a series of future first rounders and pick swaps. Even with the threat of Simmons not reporting to training camp and creating a media frenzy, it's hard to imagine the Sixers 
Daryl Morey being swayed by such a deal. Uh, even a deal sending Russell, Beasley, and Picks to Philly for Simmons, Corkmaz, and Shake Milton would likely be met with turned-up noses by the Sixers' front office. So there is a lot that uh, apparently Minnesota wants Simmons. Now, it's clear to me that they want him and they're not wanting him for his offensive abilities. Well, I hope not. Yes. Um, Simmons is clearly going to be a guy that they bring in. He's going to be a, and they're going to use him in a power forward spot if they do bring him in, and they're going to use him in a uh, a defensive role. Uh, he disappears in the half-court offense. Um, he's not a, a point guard. He can't be a point guard. Um, so I don't know. However, Tim, you know me. I got the inside scoop. So. Of raisins and a bowl of Kellogg's raisin brown. No. I sat down this morning. I got up early today. And talked. <laughs> I'd have to have proof of that. I got up early for me. I got up early this morning and I sat down and talked with my good friend. At least I, I say people, he's my friend. Wolves. Has he, has he publicly said otherwise? Uh, he has not publicly said no, otherwise. No, he has not. So therefore you are his friend until proven otherwise. Amen. John Krasinski, Wolves insider. And he and I talked this morning Hell about what's going on in the Wolves world. We also threw in a little Minnesota Vikings for you guys out there, too, to get you ready for football season. So I'll tell you what. We're going to go right now to my conversation with John Krasinski, and we'll be back on the other side, and we'll start looking at uh, some uh, NFL talk, as they say. So we'll be back right after this, my talk with John Krasinski from The Athletic right now. Back with us on Wide Men Can't Jump is one of the senior writers for The Athletic. He covers the Timberwolves, the Vikings, and one of the best to ever do it, if you ask me. John Krasinski. John, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. How's it going? Doing great. Yeah, it's always great to have you on. Uh, so let's dive into it. So we're looking at the, the Wolves this season. I know last season wasn't exactly the success that Wolves fans, myself included, were were wanting, but there was some some good things to look at coming out of the season, and uh, really one of the top things was Anthony Edwards. Uh, did Anthony Edwards progress in the season like everyone had hoped, or did he maybe far exceed expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think by the end of it, it he had exceeded expectations, I would say, because it, I think it had a little bit more to do with how things started for him. And, you know, he, he started the season coming off of the bench, not playing very efficiently, having a lot of hard times scoring at the rim. And it was just taking a little while for him to get going. Now that is not anything against Anthony Edwards. It's not anything against Ryan Saunders or the coaching staff or anything like that. The big, there's two big issues. One is he did not have a training camp. Really. He didn't have a summer league. Um, so it had been a while since he'd played basketball competitively. And, you know, um, number two is like during that first half of the season, you had Towns who was injured a little bit. You had D'Angelo Russell in and out. Like there were just a lot of things that were going on that made it a lot harder for him to kind of find his way. But 
Um, once he kind of got into the starting lineup, once Towns and Russell came came along and got healthy to give you know opposing defenses something else to look at, then you just saw things really open up for Anthony Edwards, and he became not just a good player, but offensively a dominant player at times. And so to see by the end of the season him get to a point where he's putting up 40-plus points, where he's getting other people involved, where he is finishing through contact and scoring at the rim, I think it really got a lot of people excited that you know they may have really found uh, a player that they can really build around for the next decade or more. Yeah, and uh, he's really become, uh, he's quite the character, too. Uh, a lot of people really enjoy his interviews. He, he always He's always good for a laugh. So uh, Edward's really uh, developing into a, a nice piece. Another nice piece the Wolves got, Jalen Noel, uh, drafted uh, in the second round, and I think the Wolves were able to uh, get really a steal here. He played great last year, a solid defender, and I think a guy who maybe people were looking at and saying, what a pleasant surprise he, he was. Yeah, I, th- I mean, he he's had a few moments um, in games over the last year and a half or so where you look at it and you see the way that he's able to create his own shot. You see the way um, that he's able to kind of both be effective from three and then from the mid-range. He's got a, a, a versatile shot-making kind of platform that he works from. And so from that aspect of things, he absolutely has kind of the tools to be a, 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 a guy off the bench who can kind of jumpstart your offense, can get you into things a little bit. Um, and, and so I think like that, the, there are a lot of things that for him to be able to build on. I think what coaches would tell you uh, with an honest evaluation of Jalen Noel is they, they're trying to work to get him fully understanding his role, fully understanding the offense and, and just getting a better feel for the game overall um, for his responsibilities on both sides of the court, things of that nature. But from a pure like shot making, um, you know, point offensive offense generating standpoint, uh, he's certainly an NBA player. And, and whenever you can get a rotation guy in the second round, and someone who will probably be in the league for several years and, and have a chance. I mean, that's a really good pick. So um, the Wolves outside of the Jarrett Culver pick have quietly done very, very well in the draft uh, under Gerson Rosas. And that was just another uh, instance of it. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned Jarrett Culver. Um, we had to say happy trails to him in the off season this year, as he is headed now to, uh, Memphis with uh, Jonko. Um, I know I'm butchering that name, but Wancho, uh, yeah, yeah, Wancho. Okay, I, I always butcher his name. But <laughs> off to, to Memphis in the trade for Patrick Beverly. Before we talk about Beverly coming in, what, what happened with Jarrett Culver? It just seemed like it never worked with the Wolves, and I was really excited that the Wolves traded up to get him, and but it just seemed like it was never the right fit for Jarrett Culver. Yeah, I think that's the right way to put it. It wasn't the right fit. Um, you know, they are running an offense predicated on um, outside shooting, predicated on kind of real quick decision making and, and and trying to go things that way. And that just did not fit with Jarrett Culver. Um, he never has. He never looked comfortable here. Um, and, and when you watched him play uh, when he wasn't injured, 
it was very much, he looked very tentative out there. He played with a lack of confidence. And when you put those things together with his real severe struggles shooting the ball from, from three and, and in particular from the free throw line, there just wasn't a whole lot for him to build on. I mean, he had a, a little minor ankle surgery at the end of last season, but I don't think that is to be the blame for, um, for all the things that he went through. And I know that, you know, the wolves were hoping that he would eventually develop into a, like Trevor Ariza type of a player, a wing defender who could knock down shots, could, uh, could get you a bucket when the shot clock was winding down and really just be a nice supporting player. No one really want needed him to be a guy who carried a franchise, but just be one of those really high end role players that every good team needs in the playoffs. And ultimately he just was never that here. And, um, and so whether that was, you know, system, whether they, they it was just a miss uh, uh, in the evaluation process, we'll see what he does in Memphis, but he's got to go somewhere and find his confidence again, because he was just completely shot by the, end of uh, his second season here. And when you're playing without confidence in the NBA, you get exposed really, really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, the trade though does bring Patrick Beverly to the, to the wolves, who is a excellent defender, Mr. 94 feet, as he's known. Um, this was a guy, the move was made to bring him in by uh, Rosas. And I, I love this move. This brings depth to the Wolves that they haven't had before in defense because it was a lot of offense. I mean, we got as much offense as you can handle, but now, now this is a move to bring in a good defender to the Wolves lineup. Outside of of, uh, of a Kogi, now this gives the Wolves not only a great uh, defender, but a veteran leader. What This trade, um, what what made Beverly the guy to go get? Well, yeah, one thing was certainly of his availability. Um, he got traded to Memphis, and the Grizzlies were not going to keep him around with John Morant and with Tyus Jones there as their main point guards. And so um, so he was available. But uh, Gerson Rosas and Chris Finch had background with uh, with, with Patrick Beverly from Houston. Uh, they, so way back when, when, he first, when Patrick Beverly first came into the league, he got a shot in Houston, and Gerson Rosas was a part of of bringing him into uh, into the NBA from overseas. The other part is, like you hinted at, um, you, he's a he is a dogged defender. Uh, this is a team that does not have very many uh, def- defense first type of players. You have Josh Okogie, Jaden McDaniels, but they need more, and certainly they need more on the perimeter. And so he's going to bring that sort of attitude to the team. I thought it was a really good move because you give up two players and Jarrett Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez who just were not going to be in the rotation. They were just not going to be major parts of what the Timberwolves wanted to do. And they swap them out for uh, a player who comes in at a position of need. They're a little thin at point guard after trading Rubio. And, and so you get a, a, an extra ball handler um, and one that also is going to bring you know, a, a wealth of playoff experience and to a team that doesn't have very much of it on the roster, which that is big and certainly a, an edge to the, to the locker room that might be needed. There's a lot of really nice guys on the Timberwolves and maybe they need someone to come in and 
ruffle some feathers and shake things up a little bit and annoy the other, the opposing defense or the opposing uh, offensive players and, and just make life a little bit miserable for them. And I think Patrick Beverly can do that. The key to the whole thing is just making sure he stays healthy. He has not been, uh, he's been injured and missed chunks of time in the last few seasons. And so they need him to be on the court. And if, if he can be, he not only plays good defense, but he also shoots nearly 40% from three, which is a, which is a nice little bonus for them too. He'll be able to catch and shoot, knock down those, um, uh, those shots as well. And that will be good for him for, for the, for the Timberwolves as well. Absolutely. I was really excited when it was announced that he was coming in. So, uh, happy to see Pat Beverly in uh, Minnesota. Uh, Malik Beasley, is there any news developing on him? I know he had a crazy situation last season, missed a lot of time. Have they announced anything about Malik Beasley? Will he be ready to go once the season starts? And uh, hopefully no uh, off-the-court drama this year. Yeah, no, that's um, – he, he is uh, – he's going to be ready to go. He just recently completed his sentence so that he was um, – you know, he was spent a lot of the summer – um, in, in jail, um, serving those, the, the sentence on the gun charges and he would be, he was able to get out and work out and then he would have to go back to jail and, um, and spend, spend the, the, the nights there. And so, but he's worked through that. The Timberwolves have stuck by him through this. They have said that, you know, they're going to support him in the good times and the bad. Um, and certainly he has been through quite a bit. Um, on the on the bad side of things now the the wolves are hoping that he is uh you know kind of beyond that part of it that he'll kind of learn his lessons from all of the um stuff that he had to go through and that they can just get him on the court and get him focused on basketball because when he was playing last season when he wasn't injured or wasn't suspended he was a very effective player certainly their best three point shooter outside of Carl Anthony Towns um you know, a guy who works incredibly hard in practice and sets a tone that way. And a guy who, you know, when, um, you know, when he is on the floor, he is worth the money that they're paying him. They just have to get to a point where they know that they can rely on him game in and game out, uh, day in and day out to not get into trouble, to not get himself into bad situations. And so that he will always be available to him. So that's what they have to work on with him. But as far as a player, um, whether he would be in the starting lineup or coming off of the bench as sort of a sixth man, either way, he gives them a firepower and a and a and a floor stretcher um, that is unique to that roster. And so they they really need Malik Beasley, and uh, they are excited and and, and preparing as if he's going to be on the floor with them. Yeah, towards the end of the year last year, you saw what this Wolves team could do when everybody finally got healthy and was playing under Chris Finch. Uh, really excited to see what the Wolves do. I was I was mad last season because once they were out of the playoff chase, that's when they started putting together a lot of good wins. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, come on, we need that top three pick. <laughs> but unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, one last Wolves thing I want to ask you. Rumor Mills going crazy. Ben Simmons to Minnesota has been reported quite a bit. Um, and I know that there's a lot involved in that. And it would take a monumental deal that personally I'm not wanting. Uh, I don't, I'm not wanting to trade what we have for, for Simmons. But 
What's the likelihood, in your opinion, with all that you know, that Ben Simmons could end up in Minnesota before the season starts? Um, well, I would say, you know, it, it, it definitely has to be viewed as unlikely. Um, you know, the Timberwolves are def- are trying to get Ben Simmons. They're trying to see if there is a way for them to generate some sort of interest and maybe even get a third team involved. And so this Philadelphia 76ers could get some sort of more win now assets in exchange for sending Ben Simmons to Minnesota. They really think that he would be a great fit here. The problem is, is that they don't have a whole lot of assets right now that really entice the 76ers outside of some draft picks. Maybe Jaden McDaniels entices them, um, you know, but, you know, and some combination of Malik Beasley and and, and others, um, you know, does, hasn't really gotten the Sixers attention yet. And so the, the what they can really hope for, I think, is that um, the closer it gets to training camp the more difficult Ben Simmons makes it on the Philadelphia 76ers. Maybe he goes a full Jimmy Butler as, as the Timberwolves fans will know uh, very well. And, and, uh, you know, maybe he makes life difficult for the Sixers and says, you have to get me out of here. And if that happens, then a lot of the leverage that Daryl Morey is trying to exert right now goes away. And maybe the asking price falls a little bit for them to uh, to open the door to, to try and get Ben Simmons again. I think it's really unlikely, but I do know that they certainly are monitoring the situation closely and are trying to be patient and wait this out to see if uh, Daryl Morey gets backed into a corner and has to kind of you know push a button that he doesn't want to push right now. Is anybody safe from getting tra- <clears throat> from getting traded to uh, Philadelphia? Obviously, Towns. Ed, Edwards would it would be safe. Would Russell be on that list? Yeah, Towns and Edwards for sure. I I as far as I know, the Timberwolves don't want to trade D'Angelo Russell. Um, they want to pair Ben Simmons with all three of those guys and think it would be a a, a great core for them. Um, I think that again too that you know they would love to not trade Jaden McDaniels as well. But um, but when it comes to trying to go get a really, really good player like Ben Simmons, you have to give up something. So um, I don't think that D'Angelo Russell is completely untouchable, though I don't think they want to trade him. I don't think Jaden McDaniels is completely untouchable, though they would prefer not to trade him. But it's a matter of how badly do they want Ben Simmons and to as far as the package they will put out there. But as far as guys who are 100% off limits – Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards are probably the only two that could be considered completely off limits. All right. Well, let's shift gears from uh, the Timberwolves who uh, go Wolves, make the playoffs this year for us. That's what we're hoping for. Going to be tough to do, but we'll see. Uh, Let's shift gears over to the Minnesota Vikings. And I know you cover the Vikings as well for the athletic. If you haven't read John's work, please do so. He's fantastic. Um, would you say this is the year in Minnesota where it's do or die for Kirk Cousins for the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, I think it's do or die for a lot of get a lot of people, but certainly Kirk is you know near the top of that list. Um, you know, uh, he the the whole kind of vaccination issue has has kind of put him back in in front of the the firing squad a little bit, and you know, really he's been here now for several seasons. He's had some, he's put up some really good numbers, 
only has really one signature win that you can point to the one in New Orleans in the playoffs a couple of years ago. And then they got waxed the next time the, the next time they played against San Francisco. So um, so, you know, what they I think what everyone wants to see from Kirk Cousins is taking that next step and not being just a guy who can put up really good numbers, which he does. Like they, if you look at all of his seasons in aggregate uh, and you, and you put that production up against some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, he's top five or six in terms of just sheer production. But what they need that, what the Vikings need from now, now on is that, is that production to translate to wins. And so I think everyone's going to be watching that closely see how Kirk does, see how he does with Clint Kubiak in his first season as a play caller. And, um, and, and then there will be a real, uh, you know, evaluation of where things stand with him at the end of the season. Remember, you know, they drafted Kellen Mond in the third round. He has not looked completely ready yet um, to, to kind of assume a starting quarterback position. So he may be a year or two away and they may end up giving Kirk Cousins one more year after that if, if Mon needs some more development or if they decide to go in another direction in the draft. But, yes, this is, you know, the, all eyes are going to be on Kirk Cousins and, you know, he's going to be having to uh, to deliver in a big way um, to kind of get the mob off of his back a little bit. Yeah, he's really uh, been kind of a, a hit and miss quarterback and a guy who. Uh, Minnesota was very happy to get him, but now it seems like the tides are turning on him, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, Dalvin Cook's another guy, one of the best backs in the league when he can stay healthy, but he's been just plagued by injuries. It seems like every year he's there. Um, Is Dalvin Cook finally 100% ready to to carry this offensive load that they're going to need him to carry in the NFC North? Yeah, I, th- I mean, he's absolutely ready to, for sure. I mean, he and he is the focal point of their offense. I mean, they, they have not looked very good offensively in the preseason. And and a lot of that you can point to not having Dalvin Cook on the field. He just changes things for them so much. But, um, you know, there I guess there will always be a question. Can he stay healthy? Can he avoid the the, the, the bumps and the bruises that come along um, the Knicks and, and things like that, that can kind of slow him down a little bit, but he has a high workload. He can do it all. He can block, he can pass, he can, he can pass catch, he can run. Um, and so he's going to be right in the middle of everything. And that's where the offensive line comes in as well. They have to kind of try and keep, uh, keep the defense from being able to key in on him from, from being able to tee off on him and open some holes for him as well. But it, the, the, the biggest factor in terms of what the offense is going to be able to do this year is can cook stay healthy and be totally um you know just be a a, a, an all pro caliber player for them because he just brings a dynamic level of home run hitting ability that no one else on that roster has justin jefferson is pretty good but um he still is he's still a young player uh cook is an established star so um, they're confident he, he did not get any work in the preseason all in an effort to try and uh, preserve those legs and keep him ready for week one. And so, yeah, they think that he's going to be ready to go and and we'll see if he can hold up. Well, you've got uh, you mentioned Justin Jefferson, who is a, a big time uh, receiver who had a great year last year. 
What about Adam Thielen? That seems to be a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about this year, but Adam Thielen's a great, great receiver. Uh, Jefferson gets all the, all the hype though. Uh, what can you tell us about Adam Thielen and what they're looking for out of him this season? Yeah, he's another guy that, you know, a little bit older, but still highly, highly productive. And he has had a little bit of, uh, injury issues over the last couple of years as well. But when he is on the field, he's a top 10 wide receiver, incredible route runner, incredible hands, um, really makes plays. Uh, in the in the red zone gets you know can find the end zone like and has a knack for it and so if they can keep him on the field and healthy opposite Justin Jefferson I think that will make life really a heck of a lot easier for Jefferson who really showed last year that he is explosive and ready to um, to be a big time player in this league for a long long time and so the more weapons that you can have around him I think the better chance you have of, of really having a, a, an offense that's really difficult to defend. And so um, the, the, the other part or the key to having Adam Thielen out there is behind the Thielen and Jefferson, it's a little bit thin at receiver. They, you know, D.D. Westbrook, they brought in the veteran, but he is um, he still hasn't shown that he's fully healthy coming back from his knee injury last year. Um, you know, K.J. Osborne. Chad Beebe, they've had a few guys that have had a few moments here or there, but nobody who is ready, or at least has proven that they're ready to really assume that spot as the number three receiver in this offense. The other issue that they're facing right now is that Irv Smith had had surgery and is going to be out for a little bit. It's still undetermined how long he's going to be out, but he was expected to be a major uh, element of the passing game. And so to not have their number one tight end and a guy who looked like he was ready to make a real leap, um, available to them puts even more pressure, I think on Jefferson and Thielen to be big time playmakers and make the passing offense go to take some of the pressure off Dalvin cook in the running game. So, um, you know, yes, yeah, Jefferson has been great. He's been bothered a little bit by a shoulder injury in camp, but everyone expects him to be ready to go. But they need Adam Thielen out there doing Adam Thielen things to try and make sure that they're uh, kind of a multiple offense and they don't have, you know, it doesn't make it easy to key on one or two guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the Vikings, now I don't know if you saw this, I'm assuming you have, would the Vikings have any interest in the recently cut Cam Newton and bringing him in to maybe back up Kirk Cousins or to compete for uh you know, maybe put a little pressure on Cousins at quarterback. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if Cam is the right guy. Um, you know, he he. What they do need, though, they absolutely need a quarterback who has had some experience, and maybe not even necessarily to push Kirk Cousins for the starting job, but just if Kirk um, is injured, if he misses some time with COVID, um, any of those things. Um, you know, what we've seen so far is Kellen Mond isn't ready and Jake Browning is not the answer um, it, for for a backup role. And so they need somebody who's been in there, who has started games, who can come in and hold down the fort. Now, Cam has started, obviously, a lot of games, um, but really over the last ye- two years, it, you, you just wonder if he has anything left in the tank. I mean, you, uh, it, it, it's a guy who has not looked like he'd been able to throw the ball down the field. He's, you know, his body has endured a lot of punishment over the years and maybe, you know, maybe he just isn't ready for that or, but, you know, either way, 
he's certainly a better option than anything they have right now. So they'd have to look at him, but I would think that they'll look at see if anybody else is available first before they make a move like that. Yeah, I understand that. Um, eight and a half wins. That's the Vegas uh, over-under odds for the Vikings this season. What do you think? Over-under? What do you what do you expect yeah. out of Minnesota this year? I mean, I'd like to say over. I mean, they have a lot of their defense, their defense back. Um, Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr is looking like he's going to be ready to go. You have Daniil Hunter back. They just re- you gave uh, Harrison Smith a contract extension. They added some um, some veteran leaders and Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods to their to their secondary. And so they should be pretty good defensively. Um, offensively, their offensive line, I'm still worried about. Christian Derrissaw has not been um, be, been able to take any snaps yet uh, in the preseason while he works through his groin injury. Wyatt Davis, their third round pick, has not uh, been able to solidify a spot yet. So it's kind of patchwork up front for them. Um, and so, you know, there's just a lot of question marks, excuse me, that uh, that this team is facing. I might say a slight over right now, maybe nine wins. Um, uh, sounds about right if, you know, if all goes well. And, and hey, you know, if, if they are able to stay healthy, if they're able to kind of get their legs underneath them, then it is a team, I think, that could win 11 games and get into the playoffs. Um but I, I just don't have a great feeling about how things have gone in the preseason so far. So I think I'm I'm in the nine win camp, which is just slightly over that eight and a half number. Um, and and um, we'll see what happens there. All right. Last question for you, Mike Zimmer. If uh, the Vikings don't go over 500 this year, is this it for him? Is he done if they can't produce? Well, I mean, I you know, I would kind of think this is a make-or-break year for both Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Um, they've been in power for quite a while now, and they've had a few moments. They've had some good seasons. They've won a lot of regular season games, but they haven't really gotten over the hump in the playoffs yet. Um, but that said, the, the Wilf family, the owners of the Vikings, have been among the most patient in the NFL. They pride themselves on stability and continuity. They think those are two hallmarks that they want to build their whole um, ownership reputation around. And so, um, you know, it's certainly possible that if they are in the 500 range, maybe there's some good reasons. Maybe they've had some injuries. Maybe there's some other things that happen that are out of their control that keep them from getting into the playoffs and making noise. You know, maybe they do stick uh, with, with this leadership group, but I do think if it's a, uh, you know, a five win season, a six win season, something like that, then yeah, absolutely. I, w- I would imagine that, um, that things go the other way and they go looking for new leadership, but it's hard to, uh, really kind of, um, forecast what the Wilfs are going to do because there's been several other opportunities over the years where you thought, okay, maybe this has run its course and they continue to stand by their guys. And so that's just kind of the way that they roll. I understand that. Well, my <clears throat> John, thank you so much for jumping on here and talking with us and uh, giving us the breakdown on the the sports in uh, Minneapolis and um, in Minnesota. And, you know, hey, like I said, go Wolves this year where we're pulling hard for them. And uh, I always stay up to date with your content on The Athletic. Uh, let our listeners know where they can follow you and keep up with your, your work and uh, 
and uh, you know, stay in touch. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at John Krasinski, J-O-N-K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. And then you can find all of my writing at theathletic.com slash MN for Minnesota, Timberwolves, Vikings. There'll be a little gopher stuff here and there, things like that. So I hope everyone uh, stops by. First. Uh, right. The Gophers uh, this year are, are a sleeper. They're a sleeper of mine this year. I think they've got a good shot. We'll uh, see. Uh, uh, you know, they got Ohio see. State on Thursday night, so it should be fun to watch. Yeah, that, that'll be a good one. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks, John, again for jumping on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll have you back real, real soon. You got it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks again to John Krasinski for jumping on the show and bringing us the inside scoop there on what's going on with the Wolves and Ben Simmons, the trade saga. Listen, folks, John Krasinski got up. He talked to me before he talked to Bleacher Report. Okay. Does that tell you something? That should tell you something. All right. Now. I love his acting. <laughs> what? Big fan. Big fan of his acting. Are you talking about the guy that plays Jim on The Office? No, I believe there's an actor who is John Krasinski. It's a very called. similar name. I don't I'm think almost, it's the same Something guy. close to that anyway. Fan of yes, actor. and that's Jim from The Office. All right, now. I don't know. Never watched The Office. Let's shift gears and go to the NFL. You should watch The Office. Actually, I don't okay. think you'd like it, but I no, like I probably it. wouldn't. But anyways, NFL. Let's talk NFL, about that. NFL, last week. That goofiness. Last week, we got our... Uh, our picks in order, but before we start talking about our picks and seeding them and picking our playoffs apart, man, we got to talk about some big time injuries. Um, Travis Etienne, Jaguars running back, done. Season over. Done. Uh, putting Shame. a putting a large wrench in the possibility of the Jaguars getting five or six wins this year. Yeah, I mean that does hurt because he was the guy. I mean. They still have James Robinson, who is a solid piece, and I think he's a better running back than what people think. Uh, but I think they wanted to go two heads at running back, and uh, they're not going to be able to do that. So that's a big injury there, and now they're going to have to lean a little bit more on Trevor Lawrence. Um, well, they can't They can't lean on the mustache anymore. No, the, the mustache is in Philly now. Gardner Minshew shipped <laughs> off to Philly for uh, – a large Philly cheesesteak, fries, and a cold drink. Poor Gardner. What a fall from grace that poor Or a first-round pick. Yeah, no, or a sixth-round pick. No, it wasn't. No, it, anybody out there that thought Gardner Minshew was the answer to quarterback in Jacksonville is a fool. <laughs> They're a fool. I don't know because there's been some weird stuff again going on in the QB world. Gardner Minshew was never the answer. I don't care how good a couple games he had. He never was the Jacksonville answer. Not one time. Jacksonville has not had a good quarterback since David Gerrard. Maybe. That's not normally a, a name we hear uh, and the word good in the same sentence. Uh, Byron Leftwich. Hey, Byron I mean, was okay. He was okay. I like Byron. I, I like Gerard. I thought Gerard was all. I right. mean, again, the franchise has been such a, you know, they had a couple of, they'd have a good year and then just be horrible for seven. Yeah, I mean, they made it to uh, Blaine Gabbard. Was it, was it Blaine Gabbard or uh, no? They did draft Blaine Gabbard. Who was the other guy that took him to the, uh, that took him to the AFC championship game? I don't know. Holy shit. What was that guy's name? They've had a uh, plethora of quarterbacks, so... You know what? Let's do this while we're here, while we're, we're talking about it. 
Um, because that's gonna drive me crazy. I was looking up. That's what I'm doing. List of Jacksonville quarterbacks in history. Let's see. And Google says, "Did you Blake mean Bortles? That was that guy." Bortles. Did you mean guys who played quarterback or actual quarterbacks right, so, that played for Jacksonville? Well, here we go. Um, here's the quarterbacks throughout the years in Jacksonville. Uh, Steve Berline, Mark Brunel, who may have been who, the who were who both ser- who were both time. who were both serviceable quarterbacks, but not great. Uh, Rob Johnson, Steve Matthews, and Mark Brunel. Uh, that, that's in '97. Let's see who other quarterbacks include: Jamie Martin, Jonathan Quinn, Jay Fielder, oh Mark Brunel, dominating right now. Uh, Jonathan Quinn again, David Garrard. Then Byron Leftwich, and he took the place of Brunel. Then you had Gerard and Quinn Gray. Forgot how long Gerard was the quarterback there. Man, he Lord, is this a, like, Did you go like, did you walk into a cemetery and just start reading off of Luke, Luke McCowan, Blaine Gabbert, Chad Henney, Blake yeah. Bortles, who actually took them again to the AFC Championship game. And Cody Kessler, Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, and Jake Lutton. Good Lord. That is a... Only two quarterbacks in Jaguars history have a winning record. They are Mark Brunel at 63 and 54. Barely. (laughs) And David Garrard at 39 and 37. Even less barely. <laughs> oh, I take that back. And Byron Leftwich at 24 and 20. Everyone yeah. else has a losing record. Well, unless you count, you know, one and one or, or yeah, one and up. I mean, I would have to think if you looked up the uh, all-time record of the Jacksonville Jaguars, it would not be very impressive. <laughs> I think I may have it here. Uh, I know they've lost more than they've won. That's for damn sure. Uh, let's see here. I mean, that zero and 16 will put a fucking dent in your record. Yes, it will. Uh, I don't think I have that in front of me. And they haven't been in the league for all that. uh, What, 95? Yeah, I mean, it's not like they've been there forever and a day. Uh, Let's see, Jacksonville. Yeah, so Jacksonville quarterbacks, baby. Whew. Go cons. <laughs> yeah, bu- busy ruining football in America and soccer in England. All right, the Jacksonville Jaguars all-time record: one seventy-seven and two thirty-nine. Yep, and they're seven and seven in playoff appearances, which isn't uh, bad. No, not terrible. No, that's not that's not horrible. They've been in the league for twenty-seven years. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> back to what we were talking about. Uh, yeah, I remember ETN, what that was. ETN's done for oh, the year. injuries, right? Okay. Yes. Right. Also, an injury. J.K. Dobbins for the the Ravens done for the season. We won't see him this year. Uh, so Gus Edwards is going to be getting the carries there. And then the big one here, Cam Newton, rooting tootin' Newton, has been released. Mac Jones will start. The season for the New England Patriots. Cam How, Newton, who here, knows here. where he goes. Let's uh, maybe nowhere. Maybe not. 
possibly. Uh, would not although, shock me. Would not shock me if somebody grabs him. Uh, somebody probably will because I think I think Washington. Washington. He is. He is a. I mean, he's not as good as he once was, and he but was better deep, once than he ever was. But he's better. Well, but he's better than a lot of backups. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, think let's not get carried away with count. You I know, mean, let me say this: Newton as a backup. If somebody picks him up and just lets him sit for a year and get healthy, they may have something. I mean, he's not getting, I mean, he's barely getting paid. So it's not salary. No. Like, you did they sign this did, guy for a minimum? Did they get rid of him purely just so that Mac Jones is well, well aware that he is the man? And, I would say so. I would say and that. And there isn't any, I mean, because the, the backup now is going to be Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I, I'm who, assuming that's why they did it. I mean, I have to assume that's the only reason, but boy, they better hope they aren't wrong. <laughs> it's going to be a long year in New England if if they are, or if he gets hurt. Maybe, oh, maybe they don't care. Maybe, maybe they don't. Just, and maybe they're going to look at it as, a, okay, uh, we're he's the guy of the future until proven otherwise, and the only way really to find out is to play him. True. We really weren't very good last year. Uh yeah. You know, can we be any worse with him? Probably not. So let's play him. Yeah, let's go with it. Well, that's a little bit of our update there. Um, I'm sure there's more injuries, but nothing that I've seen that's, you know, been like earth shaking. Those well, are the big uh, ones. I mean, Nick, Hoff, uh, not Nick Hoff. He Nick. might have had an injury. Nick Hoff might have had an injury. Nick too. Hoff has sprained his arm, uh, putting a bottle into his yeah, baby. Changing, changing a diaper and he, he pulled an ACL. Um, Ed Bogus though is on the uh, shelf, uh, a dislocated thumb while holding it's a, a big gulp. Jaw from uh, well, unhinging. No, uh, he tried to uh, maneuver a big gulp <laughs> uh, too far for uh, a swamp water, and uh, he didn't quite make it. And uh, he's uh, he's on the disabled list for two weeks with that. Uh, with that big uh, gulps, dis- huh? All dislocate, right. Dislocated thumb. Uh, well, or whatever the hell they call it at his sheets. I don't know. Big gulp for me, but you know, <laughs> it's a big gulp, pretty much. <laughs> big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. <laughs> tried to carry a tried to carry a big gulp and a large for uh, a large. Uh, what what do they got at? Uh, well, they got everything at sheets. Got could everything been, at sheets. Could man. have been could have been French fries, I guess, at the sheets. Um, they got good fries. Although with the uh, tater with, tots uh, too. With Bogus, it was probably like jalapeno poppers or something. They got oh, hold on, time out. Like that. Stop the show for just a second. If anybody hasn't tried Burger King's jalapeno poppers, they are awesome. All right, time back in the show. Oh, okay. Well, time out again. You know what the big deal at McDonald's was? Remember we were talking the other night? Yeah. Spicy McNuggets. Oh, man. Had them. They're not that great. Oh, they got shattered on Twitter. People yeah. are like, what? That's it? Nobody cares. Yeah, that's not uh, not that big. Plus, Wendy's spicy nuggets are much better. I mean, who's who's doing your marketing for you? The ESPN, Tony Khan. All right, now let's look go back to your God, look man. at the yeah. Let's go here and uh, Jeff is with us in spirit tonight, but he did call in and give some picks. So Sorry, here's what we're. I have do. to interrupt. I have to interrupt. Oh, well, now they're not they're not saying that went in or not. Hold on. Canada and the United States are playing in the Women's World Hockey Final for a gold medal. It's 2-2 in overtime. I thought Canada just scored, but apparently that might have to go to a replay. The game's still on. Anyway, carry on. 
All right. So in case you forgot last week, we put out our AFC and NFC division winners and wild cards, and we ranked them in order. So what we're going to do now is go through the lists. All right. We'll start with Jeff since he's not here. Jeff had the Chiefs. I guess the goal counted. Tim celebrating. Congratulations, Canada. And the eight people that watched oh, no. that game. Here, here in, in the United States. In the United States. Be, you could be right. But here, that's a big deal. Well, congratulations. Anyway, uh, so here were the matchups we had. We had, for Jeff, we had the Chiefs and the Chargers. He went with the Chiefs. He had Tennessee against Miami. He took Tennessee. And then he had Cleveland and Baltimore, and he took the Browns to win that one. Then in the semifinals, Jeff had the Bills and the Browns. He took the Bills. And then the Chiefs and the Titans, he took the Chiefs, leading to a matchup of formidable foes in the AFC Championship game between the Bills and the Chiefs. And Jeff took the Bills to beat the Chiefs. (laughs) Jeff does not like Tampa Bay much, does he? That was the AFC. Oh, sorry. Now we're going to the NFC. Oh, well, I wasn't really paying that much attention. In the first weekend, wildcard weekend, Jeff had the Rams beating Dallas. He had Green Bay, or excuse me. Yeah, he had Green Bay beating Arizona, and then he had San Francisco beating Washington. Moving forward, he had Tampa Bay defeating San Francisco. They got the bye. And he had the Rams upsetting, well, not upsetting, but beating the Packers. Then he had the Rams and the Bucks in the NFC Championship game, and he gave the Bucks the nod. And in the Super Bowl, uh, Jeff took Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl over the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so I can live with that. I can live that with that. That was Jeff. Now, let's go to Tim. Are you ready, Tim? <laughs> yeah. Let's have some fun. Again, folks, this is all fun. This is no, like, Nostradamus. Well, it, it has to be because there's absolutely no logic no, involved on my end anyway. Just picking. Just all right, fan. Tim, your first game, Wild Card Weekend, would be Buffalo against the shocking Houston Texans. You know, you this, game, this game could go to overtime. It could. Where Vanderbilt kicker Miss whatever the hell her name was comes out <laughs> and kicks a field goal for Houston for the win. Are you picking Houston? No. <laughs> okay. Buffalo is. Buffalo, yeah. All right. Tennessee yeah. taking on Miami. You know, okay, I was really liking Miami, and now I keep hearing these stories about how they might trade for Deshaun Watson, and I'm not so sure how I feel about Miami at that point. I don't okay. know what's going on there, but uh, uh, Tennessee at Miami, eh? Yep. Uh, I'll take Tennessee. All right. Baltimore, Pittsburgh in Baltimore. Baltimore. All right. That is wild card weekend for the AFC. In the NFC, we've got Tampa Bay and Chicago in Tampa Bay. Sorry, Ed. <laughs> Tampa right. Bay. Rams are hosting Seattle. And the Rams will be victorious. And the Washington football team will host the Cardinals. And Arizona will be victorious. Arizona. All right. Now let's go on to divisional weekend. The Chiefs will take on the Baltimore Ravens in Kansas City. How long will it be before it's the Kansas City football team? Uh, give it time. That kind of died down a bit. Uh, I'll take Kansas City. 
All right. Then Buffalo will host Tennessee. And Buffalo will win. All right. On the other side, Tampa Bay will host Arizona. Or no, excuse me, Green Bay. Green Bay will host Arizona. Uh, And Green Bay will win. Okay. And then Tampa Bay will host the Rams. This is going to be one for the – Tampa Bay is going to win, but boy. That would be a good uh, one. That should be a hell of a game if that was to happen. Yeah, I think what, the with what, with, with what we know be a defensive struggle as well. And Brady versus Stafford, I'm taking Brady in yeah. that one. What we know now. That of course. Change, that could change by week five. But and I then finally, that. Green Bay versus Tampa Bay in the NFC. Who wins it? And that would be Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay in Green Bay again. Okay. And then the Chiefs and the Bills in Kansas City. Uh, that'll be Kansas City. Kansas City. So rematch. Of last year's Super Bowl of Tampa Bay versus Kansas City. Who wins? Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Chiefs over Bucks. I got to so, take them just to be different because I know. That's who all right. I, I know who you're. T- oh, that's a. I, to me, to be in all honesty, that's pretty much a coin flip. I, that's I, if we get back to the Super Bowl, I'll yeah. be the happiest. I mean, that camper. that to me is like I, you know. Either team could win, and I wouldn't be surprised. Now, for Nate's picks, I'll run through mine. Wild card weekend, Tennessee and the Chargers. I like Tennessee. Buffalo hosting Cleveland. I will take Buffalo. Pittsburgh winning the division. uh, And Baltimore getting there. I don't like Baltimore without Dobbins. And Pittsburgh's got... got, Man, I'm, I'm telling you, there's something about Pittsburgh this year. That I'm I'm buying in. So you got a real, yeah. real hard over. For I do, the, uh, man. I don't Steelers. know why. Like they, they're just they're right now. Nobody's expecting them to do anything, and they've quietly just gotten better. I just I think they're they're going to be a tough out this year. People forget they were undefeated last year up until week eleven, and then everything fell apart. Their thing is going to be whether Roethlisberger, whether his body holds up. And and he can play effectively. Baltimore getting rid of their 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 best lineman just that didn't sit well with me. But all right, anyway, quickly here uh, on the other side, NFC Green Bay and Chicago. Sorry, Ed, I'm a realist. Take Green Bay, Arizona, San Francisco. I like Arizona, Dallas and the Rams. Well, that's the Rams all day. All right, now the Chiefs taking on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's good. They're not this good. Chiefs win it. Tennessee and Buffalo. I I think t- man, that's a that's a game that's tough. According to I mean, me, I've got it in Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee has really I mean Ryan Tannehill, who we've kind of laughed at I'm too. Just not yeah, but we laughed like, guy. Two, three years ago we were laughing at him. Then last year they were really they were pretty good. So if there's any more progression there, they could be a they're going to be a tough out. Let's put it that way. I'm going to take Buffalo just as what I know right now because Josh Allen is frigging amazing and their receiving core and defense has gotten better. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. But man, that would be a game of the year to watch Tennessee and Buffalo. Uh, Tampa Bay hosting the Rams, which would be scary for me. But never bet against Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Uh, Green Bay and Arizona. Arizona's good, but they're not good enough to win in Green Bay in the winter. So that sets up for me the Chiefs and the Bills. And 
Ah, you know, the Chiefs dominated the Bills last year, but I have some questions about a few things from the Chiefs, and I think Buffalo's going to learn from their mistakes. Buffalo wins, and I got to go with, with Brady again, man. I can't bet against him. Tampa Bay, obviously I'm going homer on that one, so sue me. I'm just uh, working on that sooner or later. Tom Brady's got to lose. He does. Sooner or later. Now, whether next year's the year or not, that remains to be seen. I won't go that far, but sooner or later, he's got to fail. He does. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay winning over the Bills, and I think uh, next week we're going to give our MVPs, rookies of the year, things like that. So we'll have that for you. Oh, and then of course, though, too, then uh, the winner will play Chapmanville, where Chapmanville will be victorious. <laughs> Boy, Chapmanville had a heartbreaker this weekend. They lost to Sissonville. Yeah, there must have been shenanigans. Chapmanville never <laughs> should, no, Chaplin, Chapmanville never loses on an even playing field. Never happens. <laughs> you, I tell you what, Tim, you don't know how much you sound like you're from here already. I'll tell you <laughs> what, though, we're going to take another break, and then on the other side, I was able to sit down and talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, and we talked about LeBron and Westbrook and everything that's went on in Lakerland this off season, and I sat down with Trevor Lane. From the uh, Laker, he's a Lakers insider there, and uh, I'm trying to remember exactly who he writes for. It's not coming to me. Uh, Lakers Nation, senior writer at Lakers Nation, only has about 700,000 followers on Twitter, and he's the guy. So well, uh, pretty, new to, pretty new to the game, then. Eh? Yeah, pretty, yeah, he's not yeah. been doing this a while. Uh, so I'll be back. Well, I'll be back. Tim and I will be back on the other side, and we will be talking. Uh, our college football picks for the upcoming weekend. And uh, right now, let's go to this conversation after we hear this from Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC and Stay Classy Meet. So back on the other side after our talk with Trevor Lane. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game system, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right, if you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high quality 
meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality product out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. And back with us again on Wide Men Can't Jump, senior writer for Lakers Nation and host of the Lakers Nation podcast and the Front Office Show podcast, which is actually a really cool uh, show to check out for NBA transactions and everything. Uh, if you want to keep up with transactions, the Front Office Show is a great uh, show to follow. It's Trevor Lane. He's back with us again, Trevor. Always thank you for coming on and talking a little bit of Lakers with us. Hey, no problem. Thanks so much for having me. Always good to talk to you, and today we're going to be talking about what looks like almost a brand new team for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, LeBron stays, Anthony Davis stays, and then a lot of shuffling going on in Lakerland. First, the addition of Russell Westbrook, the trade that sent Kyle Kuzma, that sent uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and move them out, and Montrez Harrell as well, to Washington, brings back Russell Westbrook. The Lakers seemed like that Kuzma wasn't playing up to snuff in the playoffs. Uh, the Harrell experiment didn't work out. What was the main reasoning for making this trade happen for the Lakers? I mean, I think to some degree, this has always kind of been the plan for the Lakers in terms of having a big three setup. That was always the goal. You think back to, you know, when LeBron first came on board and looked like they were going to bring in Paul George and still have pieces to go after somebody else. Maybe it was an Anthony Davis. And then when that fell through, they bring in AD finally the next season. They're able to execute that trade and get him. And what's the first thing they do? They do. It's go after Kawhi Leonard. Um, they've been trying to put together a big three for a while. Maybe there's a little bit of extra pressure on them to do that now that the Nets have their own big three, which is pretty formidable. But uh, I think a lot of this was, was just a, a reaction to not just what their long-term plan has always been in terms of creating a big three, but also to what we saw this last season where LeBron James, Anthony Davis, short turnaround, they have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Both of them suffer injuries. And I think they're, they were looking for somebody else who could come in and handle the basketball a bit more, take some of that pressure off of LeBron and keep these guys fresher come playoff time. And so I think that was that was kind of the driving factor here that got the Westbrook deal done. Yeah, Westbrook comes in now. Um, you know, I, at first when I saw the deal go down, I, all I could do was say, "Man, that's a lot of basketball to go around there, and not a lot of role players." Of course, that was when the deal first happened. Now the deal has turned into quite an addition of pieces for the Lakers. Let's start with you know one of the few here. Uh, just offensively, Carmelo Anthony, he's 37 years old, but he can still play in the league. And that's been proven by his years in Portland. Is he just going to be a guy they bring in? Probably I'm assuming off the bench, maybe he starts, I don't know, but this is a guy who is just a pure scorer and that's all the Lakers are going to ask him to do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy, I mean, it's, it's almost there's almost some sense of closure here now because the Lakers and Carmelo Anthony have been circling each other for almost a decade at this point that the Lakers have been trying to bring in Melo and then Melo didn't have a place to go. And the Lakers kind of went, nah, and now finally the stars have aligned and they're together. Uh, yeah, they're going to use him off the bench. I believe they're going to use him as a scorer, which is that, you know, that's what he's been since the day he came into the NBA and he's going to be able to space from the floor for them. You know, he shot over 40% from three last season. That was a main, the main goal after they landed Russell Westbrook was 
let's get shooters. We need to surround these guys with shooting. Did not have that in the playoffs last season. That was a big, big problem. That's why they, part of why, aside from the injuries, why they lost in round one. They just didn't have guys who could hit threes. Carmelo Anthony can certainly do that. He's a guy you can give the ball to in crunch time, and he can get a big bucket for you. And he is a tremendous free throw shooter. So in late game situations, you can put him onto the floor. Again, 37 years old, so you can't rely on him the way you used to, say five, six, seven years ago but he can still be a factor here, still be a nice guy to come in off the bench and give you 10 to 12 points a night uh, without without trying too hard. Yeah, and a few other shooters they've brought in as well. We'll we'll look at each of them. Kendrick Nunn is a guy that, that comes in from the heat. He gets a $5 million deal, and he's another nice piece. Like, I was really, when they got him, I said, okay, now that's a, a very serious signing there, and a lot of people may not realize that. Kendrick Nunn is a hell of a player. Yeah, he absolutely is. 26 years old, so he's going to be one of the very youngest players on this team because this is a team full of veterans, 30 and yeah. up, most of them. But Kendrick Nunn comes in, and you know, coming from the Miami Heat, he's a score-first guard, and I think that's part of the reason why the Lakers pushed to get Rajon Rondo to come in. Uh, but score-first guard that can that can do a lot of things out there, shoot the ball from deep, get into the paint, pretty crafty finishing. I think he's a really nice addition for the Lakers, especially just $5 million. I uh, kind of thought he was going to get more than that out on the market, but the Lakers fortunately got him to take a bit of a discount and now bring him in. And I think he's going to be a nice weapon for them. Yeah. And you mentioned Rajon Rondo. Here's another guy comes in 35 years old, but coming in with veteran knowledge. And of course, everybody loves the term playoff Rondo. He's a different animal come the playoffs. He absolutely is. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. You know what? He, he can have a rough regular season. And if he's great in the playoffs, that's all the Lakers care about. You know off the court he's going to bring everything that you could have hoped, right? I mean, Frank Vogel told him recently, I guess, this is a story that Rondo shared today, uh, told him that he missed having his voice in the locker room. Rajon Rondo is one of the most brilliant basketball minds in the NBA today. And so he can help you quite a bit off the court in terms of the tactics, breaking down film. Very few people can do it at the level that Rondo can. So he's going to help you out there. And then he gives you a seasoned veteran ball handler who can come in, organize the offense when LeBron and or Russell Westbrook are off the floor. And so I think that's going to be a luxury to have for the Lakers, both on and off the court. And then, like we said, hey, if playoff Rondo rides again come playoff time, then the Lakers are going to be very, very happy that they made the call to bring in Rondo. Oh, absolutely. They would be, um, looking at the shooting guard spot for the Lakers. There's a few that, that might be the biggest question mark on the team. Clearly it's, it's Westbrook, it's LeBron, it's Davis. You may want to go Gasol, uh, at the center spot there. I would assume if Davis wants to play the fat, the forward, the shooting guard spots, the one that has the biggest question mark beside Evan. Is it Wayne Ellington? Is it Talon Horton Tucker, who the Laker, who I want to talk about here shortly, Wes Matthews, Malik Monk, who is the guy that'll be beside all these, I'm a, these future, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all these all-stars and future hall of famers. Who's going to be that guy that's got to stand there in that starting five. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Wes Matthews because he doesn't have a contract at this point. Maybe he gets one and gets the last roster spot here for the Lakers or one of the last spots. But um, the one that I've been looking at is Kent Bazemore. I think he's the favorite to start at the two. You look at what he can do defensively. You consider Frank Vogel as a defense first head coach. Bazemore shot well from three last season for the Golden State Warriors, admittedly on limited volume, though. But I just think in terms of 
fitting well with what the Lakers starting unit is going to be. Kent Bazemore makes a lot of sense. But like you said, they brought in a lot of other players as well. Wayne Ellington can light it up from behind the arc. Was one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA last season. Malik Monk had a really nice season shooting the ball. Tons of upside potential there, especially if he can get the defensive part of his game to really come around. They've got other options. And you're right, this is one of the biggest question marks on the roster. Who is going to start at the two? And maybe more importantly, who's going to get the majority of the minutes? That's going to be one of the big training camp battles that we're going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, and I'm looking, and you brought up Malik Monk, who I was a big fan of out of college. I felt like Charlotte didn't really give him much of a chance with with what he had there and what he was dealing with. And then the injury happens. Uh, People may forget Malik Monk was an absolute stud at Kentucky. I mean, this guy was a top 10 pick for a reason. He He is a stud of an athlete if he gets the confidence shooting he is unguardable from behind the arc and the lakers get him for once 1.6 almost 1.7 million that's a steal for the potential there and everyone wants to talk about oh well the lakers they want to win now of course they want to win now but they do have some young talent there and malik monk is one of those guys that they could potentially hold on to and really let him progress and develop behind these players is do you consider him getting a lot of rotation minutes this year? I think a lot of it's going to come down to his defense. What can he do on that side of the floor? We know he can be really good on the offensive end, but if you're going to play for Frank Vogel, you've got to be able to defend. You've got to be able to read and react to what's going on out there on the court and be part of a a defensive unit. That's the biggest question mark with Malik Monk, but you're right. That's the signing right where, when it happened, we we were all on pins and needles waiting to see, okay, who's getting the mini mid-level exception for the Lakers, that taxpayer mid-level, who are they going to give that to? When Malik Monk's name was announced, we went, oh, that must be it. And then everybody said, wait a minute, wait, this is the a veteran minimum deal? How is this possible? How did the Lakers get a guy this talented with this much upside that's this young on a veteran minimum contract. It is an unbelievable steal, even if he doesn't pan out, even if he doesn't turn into the player that we think he could be. This is a heck of an opportunity for the Lakers on such a a small contract, especially on a veteran team like this. You're going to need young legs at certain points of the season. So I think Malik Monk has a really nice opportunity here with the Lakers, and I think the Lakers got a steal on the free agent market when they got him. Yeah, I agree. I was I was looking at Malik Monk for for several teams. Did not think the Lakers would be where he ended up, but that's where he goes. And I think the reason personally why people go there, they want to win. They want to be champions. They want to play with LeBron because Father Time is undefeated and while LeBron still is that good, eventually LeBron will not be in the league anymore. And so a lot of these young guys that looked up to LeBron are saying, "Hey, if I want to play with him, I better play now while I've got the opportunity." Yeah, I think that's certainly a factor. You know, being able to to win right now is definitely going to matter, especially if if a lot of other teams, let's say other teams around the NBA, were also offering veteran minimum deals to Malik Monk. When the playing field is leveled like that, if a team calls up and offers him $10 million, he's taking that, right? Oh, yeah. But if the playing field is leveled and the Lakers offer is similar to what everybody else can offer, then all the other things that the Lakers have going for them start to matter more in terms of, you know, location, the spotlight, being able to win, all of these sorts of things, the, the weather, all of that certainly matters more. And you look at the Lakers situation, if you're a guy like Malik Monk and the offer wasn't out there that you want, I mean, we're debating it right now. Who's the starting shooting guard? That's an opportunity 
that probably doesn't exist in a lot of other places. So if you're Malik Monk and you come in and you perform and you win the starting shooting guard spot and you're going to have that spotlight on you all year long of, hey, this is now the starting shooting guard for the Lakers and you're going to get all that attention, 42 games out of the year that are on national television and then you go on to win a championship, what's that next contract going to look like then? That's a heck of an opportunity for him and that's where taking that gamble, taking the veteran minimum, playing for the Lakers makes a lot of sense. It does. Makes a whole lot of sense. And, uh, I mean, I guess it can't hurt, you know, Anthony Davis, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky player. And then, I, I mean, Ray John Rondo wasn't there yet, but that's another guy played at Kentucky. So I, I think there's some familiarity there as well. So it doesn't hurt. Uh, speaking of Davis, he and LeBron both kind of hampered by injuries last year in the first round against the Suns. If they stay healthy, that series could be completely different, and we could have a completely different conversation on our hands right now. But how are the injury updates looking for Davis and for LeBron as we, uh, you know, we're still in the the summertime, so but uh, only a, a couple of months out from starting the season. Yeah, we are one month, I think, to the day from from starting training camp right now. So um, Anthony Davis, the last we heard, he's all good. So and that was. It was probably about a month ago, Dennis Schroeder posted a video to his YouTube channel, and he happened to run into AD at the Lakers training facility. This was when Schroeder was still with the Lakers, and uh, and he asked Anthony Davis, he said, how are things going? He said, I'm good. He said, I needed the time off, and I am totally good now. LeBron is already back working out, and, uh, and he's good. So I think injury-wise, the Lakers are in pretty good shape uh, to start the season. Again, this is a very veteran roster, so managing injuries, managing minutes, that's going to be a theme throughout the season, but for right now, it sounds like everybody is healthy. Speaking of Dennis Schroeder, <laughs> we we got to touch on this for a second. Um, Lakers offered Dennis Schroeder four years, $84 million to stay. He turns it down. He wants the $100 million contract. The Lakers aren't going to offer that, and rightfully so. Uh what what's uh what's kind of the the talk here? Are are Lakers fans and insiders all incredibly incredibly excited that he turned that down to kind of give them the room to make some of the moves they made in the off season? Um, I mean, no, in that they didn't he they didn't get any real extra room by him turning down that money. They're an over the cap team no matter what. Um, he turns down the four year eighty four million and. The challenge was that it wasn't like he could say, well, I turned that down and then the Lakers come back with $100 million, and then he signs that. That, that. that outcome could not happen. The Lakers didn't have that to offer him during the season in an extension. They offered him the most you possibly could, at least what based on what's been reported. They were not allowed, based on rules, to offer anything more than what they did. So Schroeder was taking that gamble that, hey, maybe somebody out there, maybe it's the Lakers once we hit summer, right? Once we hit summer, those restrictions are off. Then you can go ahead and, and up the offer. Then maybe I'll get that four-year, 100, 100 to $120 million deal. For whatever reason, there was this perception out, out there this offseason that a starting point guard just automatically gets $20 million per season. And maybe that's not wrong. I mean, that's what Lonzo got. That's what Spencer Dinwiddie, even coming off an injury, got. But the problem was, and we could see this coming from a mile away. We talked about this for months, that if you looked at the point guard market, someone was going to be left out in the cold. There were only so many landing spots and there were more players out on the market, more point guards than there were landing spots. And so it was just terrible risk management by Dennis Schroeder to turn down that deal because of exactly what happened. Now, of course, he didn't think it would play out the way that it did, 
But what was the upside for him? Best case scenario, he gets an extra $15 million, right, on an $84 million deal. Maybe he gets up to $100 million. Worst case scenario is exactly what happened. All the spots get filled. There's no more teams with money. Nobody needs a point guard. And he winds up having to play for $5 million on a one-year deal and then hope to get back to free agency the next year. That was the downside. His, to me, the risk management was just completely off by Dennis Schroeder, and um, I'm sure he's uh, regretting that decision at this point. But uh, the Lakers moved on, and I think they, they built a pretty strong team, team without him, and he'll see if he can jump back out on the market after a season in Boston. Yeah, uh, that's going to be uh, – people will be keeping an eye on him uh, for sure. The Lakers are kicking off the season at home to start the regular season, opening night, October 19th, star-studded night as always. Um, the game before that, Nets-Bucks, that'll be fun. And then they open with the Warriors on the very first night, and the Warriors are not going to be the Warriors that the Lakers faced in the play-in game last year, and the Lakers are not going to be the same team the Warriors faced in the play-in game last year. Um how how big is this opening night game for, for L.A. and for, well, really for Golden State as well? Uh, I mean, I don't want to look like I'm ridiculously excited for the season to start. Oh, yeah, me too. But but <laughs> but not very. Right. I mean, this it's it's one of 82 games. We're back to an 82 game season. So yeah. a loss for either side in the in opening night is not the end of the world. This is going to be about getting the guys out of the floor trying to build some chemistry, trying to build a little bit of a rhythm and that, and they're not going to, that's not going to be a completed process game one, right? This is going to be a season long thing. Yeah. So it, it's important in the sense that you want to get the season off to a good start. You want to have that kind of uh, mojo going forward. You want to build that. But ultimately if, if they come out and they fall flat on their faces, it's not the end of the world. It's just, it's just one game. Yeah. Now I'll argue this. I think the Christmas day game, that might be a, uh, a very important game for LA because a lot of people have that game circled as the Lakers are playing the Nets, uh, prime time, eight o'clock Christmas night, uh, the big, uh, Nets Lakers matchup. That's it's a potential NBA finals matchup. A lot of people are circling here. Do, is there something about Christmas games that these players just absolutely love? They, or do, or do a lot of people hate it? Do a lot of people say, you know what? I'd rather be at home. Well, if you're if you're a Laker, you pretty much have to plan on playing on Christmas. Yeah. That that's something that happens every like year. But Knicks. I think, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. No matter how good or bad they are, they play on Christmas. And I think it, you know it depends on the player. Obviously, the players would prefer to play at home in general. Guys would prefer to play at home on Christmas, so you can you know have Christmas morning with your family and do all that kind of stuff, and then and then go play. Um, it, it can be a little bit of a weird game in that sense, though. It's, there's going to be a different feel to it. But you're right. There's a lot of people that are looking ahead to this. If you saw the the NBA 2K trailer that came out today, mm -hmm. they very much hyped up Lakers versus Nets. In fact, just about I think just about every piece of footage that they put in that featured a Lakers player had them going against the Brooklyn Nets. Those are the two teams that are right now projected to come out of the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. So I think this is going to be it's a big matchup. Um, but it's more of a measuring stick than anything else. I think this is a, where are we at right now compared to what is perceived to be the other, you know, big fish that's out there in the NBA. Obviously a lot can change between Christmas and the NBA finals in June. That's a long way, but I think it is going to be kind of the first measuring stick moment for, for both teams where they can really say, okay, this is 
probably going to be the best that the other conference has to offer. Yeah, and you look at it as saying, okay, we've had a couple of months to get into rhythm, to get our guys healthy that may have gotten banged up. Everybody's you know back in rhythm now. This is what we should look like, and this is a good game to measure that. Plus, Christmas Day, ain't nothing else on. Trust me. You've watched a Christmas story enough that day. There's nothing else on. <laughs> right. But it's still a fun, fun day. Uh, I, I love Christmas Day games. I usually, if I'm not working, I sit down and try to watch all five until I pass out. So that's, that's always a, a fun time. Um, what, where do you see, obviously, Lakers are big-time favorites to make the NBA Finals. Um, the West is not an easy conference, not an easy place to get the NBA finals. I mean, the jazz are still there. The Suns are still good. The warriors are back somewhat better than they were. There's still a lot of good teams in the West. The nuggets are, are getting healthy again. You know, is this going to be an easier road for the Lakers to get there? Or is this going to be maybe one of the hardest roads to get to the finals compared to out East? I think there's a lot of question marks in the West right now. Uh, If Kawhi Leonard was healthy, I don't think anybody would be discounting the Western Conference. But without Kawhi Leonard, and a lot of people are saying, look, he might might not play this season. I don't know about that. I think, you know, if he does get healthy enough to play towards the end of the season, maybe the Clippers get him back for a playoff run. But without a healthy Kawhi Leonard, I think people are looking at the Western Conference as, okay, the Denver Nuggets, hey, they're missing Jamal Murray. They're Mm -hmm. not as dangerous. The, The Phoenix Suns, well, they got as far as they did because everybody else was hurt, right? The Utah Jazz. Another team. They, they look great. Once again, did the same thing last year as they've done a number of years. Looked great in the regular season and then flopped in the playoffs. So a lot of people are looking at the Western Conference and starting to discount it. It's starting to swing the other way. I don't know if I buy into that so much. I think that there are a lot of quality, quality teams. I think the Suns are definitely a quality team. I think that they showed uh, during the regular season run before teams were really getting hurt. They were still very good. The Jazz are obviously a very good team. You've got teams in the West that can be dangerous. We'll see what happens with the Denver Nuggets. They've put together a really nice roster there. Kawhi Leonard can come back. The Dallas Mavericks can take another step. You've got some very good teams in the Western Conference. Uh, I won't say it's going to be the most difficult title run or anything like that or run through the West, but uh, but I will say that's not going to be a cakewalk. This isn't going to be – it's certainly not going to be like back in the day, like in the early 2000s, when the Lakers would battle it out through the West and then they would get to the finals and it would be – the yeah. Eastern Conference, and you know, it was it was whoever it was the uh, it was the, the, the Nets, New Jersey the Nets, right? Yeah, where nobody was nobody had a shot or anything like that. So you're not going to see teams of that caliber in the Western Conference. You're going to see teams that are difficult no matter what. Uh, but again, I, I can't say it's going to be quite as tough as say like last year's run or the run year before that or anything. Yeah, and uh, those Sacramento Kings Lakers series from back in the day, those are some of the <laughs> best basketball games you'd ever want to watch. Oh man, oh, I, and those teams hated each other. <laughs> they oh, legitimately yeah, was, hated each other. That was that was a fun rivalry. I did an NBA front office show today, and towards the end of it, I like my natural reflex caused me to just kind of take a verbal shot at the Kings. And uh, and Keith, my co-host, was was like, "Hey, why are we taking shots at the Kings here?" I'm like, "Oh." That, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Just it was just natural, you know, instilled over the years. But uh, yeah, the Sacramento Kings, those were those were some fun, fun uh, battles between they those were. two teams. They were the uh, I'll I'll never forget where I was when Ori hit the the shot. Oh yeah, 
to tie the series at two games apiece. And I'm watching, I'm like, I cannot believe he just made that. And it was a, and I still think Doug Christie, uh, still think Doug Christie hates everything purple and gold inside of him. (laughs) Uh, listen, if you're young and you never watched any of those games, do yourself a favor and get on YouTube and watch some of the Lakers Kings rivalry back in 2000, 2001. It was some of the best basketball you'll ever see. Yeah, it was so much fun. So it felt like everything was riding on every single play. It did. Ed it Ed really Ed did. Ed it did. And it was just, oh, just uh, now I want to watch it. <laughs> now I want to go back. <laughs> uh, but Trevor, I've taken too much of your time, and I really appreciate you jumping on here and talking Lakers with me and uh, going through the roster and, and getting us ready for NBA, which is not far away. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can uh, keep up with you, follow you, find your work, and uh, things like that. Sure, yeah. You can find me on Twitter, at Trevor underscore Lane, on Instagram, at Trevor Lane NBA. And uh, you can find most of my work on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. That's where we post daily videos on the Lakers. Um, so you can find me there. Written work is going to be over at LakersNation.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Trevor, so much for jumping on and talking with us a little bit. And uh As the season progresses, we'll have you back on and we'll talk some more. Hey, thanks. That sounds good. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks to Trevor Lane for jumping on the show as always. And again, thanks to Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, our wonderful, wonderful sponsors. And thank you to all of uh, our wonderful sponsors out there, including Stay Classy Meets, New Law Office, and uh, everyone else that helps bring you this podcast. Without them, we couldn't do what we do. All right. Let's uh, let's get ready to finish up the program tonight. We're going to be doing our college football picks for week one. Tim gave you the update on how we did, uh, you know, against the spread and everything last time. And right now, I'm going to get everything geared up here. And we're going to be looking at our just the top 25 matchups for this upcoming weekend. If there's some more interesting games that we want to see, uh, coming up, we'll let you know for sure. So there's plenty to come still here on wide men can't jump. All right, Tim. Uh, I have just, I have just witnessed the strangest medal ceremony I have ever seen. Oh yeah. When have you ever seen guy? I mean, I guess there's not really many sports that wear helmets. True. But. Normally, when you're, you know, at an Olympics or whatever, and you win a medal, and they they go to hang them around your neck, you take your helmet off. The vast yeah, you would at think. least at least half of the U.S. team didn't take their helmets off, and I'm not sure if that's got something to do with COVID, perhaps, because a lot of them had face masks. But it's their own. They're taking the medals from their own teammate. They're not getting them from from some randoms. And the flip side, the Canadian team, who just played a hockey game against another bunch of people and themselves, Mm -hmm. two or or three of the girls are wearing, they've got all their helmets off, but two or three of them are wearing masks. And it's just like, you didn't need to wear one during the entire game, but now you feel that you do somehow? Maybe they're trying to make some sort of statement. Like, you know, hey, wear your mask. We're wearing ours. You know, something like that. that. Do that after the game. They're in the <laughs> they're 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 in the bubble, so there really is yeah, no. Yeah, that's true. There really is no statement 
to make. But anyway, that was just, I don't think I've ever seen people not take off their helmets. That was odd. That's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Well, the girl, yeah. the girl had a hard time because the medals are only so big. And when you got a hockey helmet on, that greatly increases the dimensions of your head. Yeah, like a big time. <laughs> yeah, she had a bit of trouble with the first couple because she was shorter and she really couldn't reach high enough to just get it behind the back of the helmet. But anyway, that was very odd. But anyhow. Yes, that is quite odd. Uh, I'm I'm jotting down a couple of things here while we got a second, while you're talking about helmets. Uh, (laughs) Who's keeping track this week? Um, I'm actually putting down who, who we all took. So, okay, uh, good. Then I don't have to do it. Yeah. yeah you won't have to do it. Yeah, I'm writing it down now as we speak. Now there's a few of the top 25 games that I could not find a spread for. Uh, so I'm just, we just left those off. Uh, I got most of them though. So like, I don't have a spread for Iowa state and Northern. Well, that's because uh, some of it's, a, it's a little early yet. It's only. Yeah. It is only Tuesday. It's only uh, Tuesday. So some games they, they might be waiting to see. Yes, and I didn't have a spread for Washington and Montana either. And again, we had to record this Tuesday because I'm being a daddy this week a little bit during the week. So, yeah. Sugar daddy, that is. Yeah, okay. (laughs) If if only. All right, let's look at the games for this weekend in college football. Let's start with some of the big ones. We've got Georgia and Clemson. On Saturday night, it is in Charlotte, I believe, and it is Clemson minus three to Georgia. Well, do you want me to give you Jeff's pick before or after you? Sure, pick? let's hear Jeff's wisdom. Jeff took Georgia plus three. Yeah. You taking Georgia? Yeah. I don't know what Clemson's got under center this year, really. Haven't heard much. Um. Sure, the guy's probably serviceable, but the changing of the guard there in Clemson, so. I'm going to take Clemson, kind of a home game for them. And, again, I think uh, their quarterback situation, whomever it may be, they had to learn from Trevor or tr- learn with Trevor Lawrence, So, and I think Dabo Sweeney knows what he's doing. All right, so another big game, Alabama in Miami taking on the Hurricanes. Alabama is giving Miami 18 and a half. I'm, you know, I'm going to take Miami until I see what Alabama really has, which again is a bit of an unknown. I'm going to take Alabama. Uh, Jeff also took Miami as well. Well, that Jeff is a smart, smart. The Jeff method, as I talked about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Now let's go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin is taking on Penn State. That's a noon game in Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is giving Penn State five and a half. Only five and a half, eh? So a touchdown, yeah. basically. Um, hmm. You know, everybody's pretty high on Wisconsin, but I've heard a lot of talk about that Penn State's pretty good. Now, despite my shower joke from last week that Bogus was on the fence about. <laughs> <laughs> Where he thought it was uh, funny, but wow. Um, funny, but classes. That, that's yeah. our model here. Uh, I'm going to take Penn State. All right. I'm going to take Wisconsin at home. Uh, that's a tough win for anybody. He's trying to win one in Badger country. 
Uh, all right, let's go to Minnesota. Go Gophers. Go in the Gophers there over there. Over, yeah, oh yeah. They play on uh, the Thursday night. They play Ohio State. They do, and <laughs> I gotta quit that. Uh, yeah. They play Ohio State in Minnesota. OSU is giving fourteen to Minnesota. Whew. I'm gonna take Ohio State. All right. Gophers. I, too, am going to take Ohio State. The Golden Gophers, uh, I don't know. Good, but I don't think they're quite ready for this yet. You uh, look at the list of... Jeff, um, Jeff took Minnesota, plus 14. Well, when I look at the list of guys that and uh, the ranking of their prospects and all that from Ohio State, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so until proven otherwise, I'll take Ohio State. The Citadel visiting Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is giving the Citadel 34 and a half. Bloody hell, that's a lot. But <laughs> Indeed it, but it again, is. Again, it is the Citadel, that being said. Coastal Carolina at home. They are. Uh, scored like wild men last year. That they did. Don't know if they have the same... Uh, like what their offense looks like compared to last year. If they had anybody leave, I don't really know. Uh, apparently, by the looks of things, not. Ah, boy. Eesh. Now I'll take that. I'll take the. I'll take the Chanticleers. Is that Citadel? No, that's Coastal Carolina. Oh, I didn't know what it was. Okay, <laughs> I'll take Coastal Carolina as well. Apparently, that is some type of bird. Ah, uh, Chant- You do know the bird is the word. Haven't you heard? I have. All right. <laughs> Utah. They're at home and they're taking on Weber State. They're giving Weber State 35 and a half. The Citadel, by the way, is the Bulldogs, in case you want to. Ah, okay. okay. Uh, sorry. Weber State and, and Utah. So yes. the Utes, the mighty Utes. The two Utes. Versus the Weber State Wildcats, I believe. I believe you're right. Um, don't really know a lot about them. Me either. I don't even. I don't even know where Weber State is. It's uh right down the road from uh, Weber A and M. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> solid. Well done. That was good. Um, I have. Yeah, I got no clue where that that could be. In. I mean, continental United States, I assume. And after that, I'm pretty much done because I wouldn't know. Uh, what was the what was the spread again? Thirty-five and a half. Good God, that's a lot. Um, Utah. Don't know a lot about them either. State is in Utah. Oh, well, that maybe changes my outlook a tiny bit. Um, But no, thirty-five points, though, man. That's a lot. That is is a lot. That is a lot. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna take. Uh, Weber State to cover. Okay. Just because I, I don't really know. I'm going to go with Utah on this one. At home. Is that the Nathan method? It is. Jeff also took Utah. Jeff All takes right. Jeff takes rankings and you take home teams? Is that how that works? Well, uh, I took Alabama. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, yeah. Jeez, what a, what, a, what, a reach, what a reach that was. Way to go, Nate. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Southern Utah is in Arizona State. Southern Utah is getting 45 and a half. 
Okay, I I cannot take anything at forty five and a half. That okay. oh, that's a beating. I mean, you realize for forty five and a half, you basically either have to pitch a shutout. Yep. And you still got to get six touchdowns and a field goal. Yep. yep. Wow. So what are you taking? Jesus. Well, my brain wants me to take the points, but. Ah, fuck. I'm taking the points. I'll take Southern Utah. They'll get a touchdown. Uh, it is unanimous because I am also taking 45 and a half points with Southern Utah. Oh, damn. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know what the over-under for that game is? 55 and a half. Oh, so, so then somebody expects them to score at least 10 points. Yeah. Which means for that to go, oh, <laughs> which means that the other team's going to score 55 yeah, to, at get, least. To, to cover the spread. At yeah, least. At least. Uh, go Thunderbirds. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Southern Utah man this weekend. Yeah. Here's, uh, this one could get interesting. This is That's all on Thursday, by the way. Those are just Thursday games. Not all of them, but the Ohio exactly State, hard. Citadel, Weber, Utah, and Southern Utah's Thursday games. Let's go to Friday. Friday night, North Carolina and Virginia Tech at Blacksburg. Virginia Tech is at home getting five and a half. I'll take North Carolina. Okay. One place you don't want to play, ladies and gentlemen, that's Lane Stadium. And even if they win by a field goal, which I think uh, North Carolina will, Virginia Tech will cover. I'll take Virginia Tech at home. All right. Louisiana Raging Cajuns are in Texas. And Texas is giving Louisiana, which, by the way, is just 21 versus 23. They're giving them eight points. That game's on Friday? Or, excuse me, we're on to Saturday now. Excuse oh, I was going to say, I didn't see that on the Friday slate. I was going to say, what now? Uh, where are we there? Louisiana State. Where, Louisiana where versus Texas. Oh, all right. Uh, uh, and okay. Texas is giving eight. Ooh. <laughs> this will make you think. Ooh, that's a tough one because, it okay, is. The, 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 the Louisiana, fine. Yeah. No problem with them. I mean, love that name. How can you not? My problem is Texas, because are they any good or not is the question. I don't know. Oof, oof. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cajuns. What the hell? You're taking Louisiana with the points and yeah. uh I'm going to join you because to me, Texas has been making a living off of their name for too long. And, uh, I'm taking the points and Jeff also took the points mm -hmm. for Louisiana. And, and I, we, I, I feel good about that then. Jeff and I also took uh, Virginia tech. So, all right, now we're on the, we're on to LSU is in UCLA. UCLA is getting four at home. Now there was a time when that would have been a, Total beatdown. But what's, a, again, what's at LSU these days? I don't know. Don't really know. Now, last year. Now, that being said, UCLA. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, four points at home, eh? Yep. I, I'm going to take LSU. I'm going to join you in taking LSU. Uh, just... <sighs> 
Pac-12, Pac man, doesn't get me excited. UCLA Jeff, hasn't had a quarterback since Troy Aikman. Um, yeah, you're probably right there. Um, well, that was that one guy. Uh, well, Jordan Love, but we don't know how good he, yeah, he's yeah, going to be. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, that jury's out there, so. Yeah. All right, um, Jeff took UCLA plus the points, by the way. Yeah, screw Jeff. Oklahoma is in Tulane, taking on the mean green. Oklahoma is giving Tulane 31. Hmm. Interesting. Very. Very interesting. Indeed. 31, there. 31. Tulane. The green wave. Oh, it is the green wave. That's right. Yeah, the green wave. And I don't know who the mean green was. That was somebody else. That's North Texas, I believe. That mascot is, I don't know what that is. I guess it's the green wave. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really. I mean, I'm not a fan of Oklahoma. I yeah I, again week one got to go with the rankings and st- I got to take Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm going with you with Oklahoma as well. Thirty one is a lot, but it ain't forty five and a half. No, that is true. All right, Jeff also took Oklahoma. Yeah. All right, Fresno State is in Oregon twenty and a half to Fresno State. Oregon. I think I think that number eleven ranking for Oregon is a little bit inflated. Bulldogs against Quackers, not Quakers, Quackers. Twenty um, one, hmm. you said? Yes. Twenty one. Twenty and a half. Twenty. Twenty and a half. Twenty one. Uh, uh, again, until proven otherwise, I guess I take Oregon. I don't know much about Fresno State, so. Yeah, I'm going with you. Oregon is uh, my choice as well. Jeff took Fresno State plus the points. Yeah, well, Jeff thinks he knows shit about math and stuff. Well, Miami of Ohio is in Cincinnati taking on the Bearcats. Miami of Ohio is getting 23. Not enough. Cincinnati. <laughs> well, Ben Roethlisberger does not play for... Miami of Ohio anymore, so I'm taking Cincinnati. Jeff took Miami of Ohio with the points. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I don't know how, how how does he do it when they're over 20 because he can only count to 17. <laughs> oh, goodness. Indiana and Iowa. I was given Indiana three and a half, and this is in Iowa. This is 17 versus 18. Uh, this is a tough one. I don't trust. Any school from that division? Yeah. For uh, for not even a second, unless they're playing Michigan, in which case they win. Um, <laughs> Goddamn Michigan. Unbelievable. Oh, boy. I'm going to take Indiana. Indiana with the points. Okay. Indy. Uh, I'm taking Iowa because Indiana just don't do it for me. Well, that's, how I feel about, and also, that's how I feel about the Hawkeyes. Also, they're at home. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Where is that? San Jose State taking on USC. USC is giving San Jose State uh, 14. As much as I hate the Trojans, I'll still take them. Yeah, me too. Jeff also took the Trojans. 
Oh, Jeff took uh, Iowa, by the way. What I know about Jeff, Jeff never takes a Trojan. <laughs> it's another story for another day. Florida no Atlantic is in Florida. They're taking on the Gators. Gators are giving Florida Atlantic 23. I'll take Florida. Yep. U of F is uh, looking good there for me in that one. Jeff also took Florida. Two more games, and we'll wrap it up. Texas A&M is hosting Kent State. Uh, A&M is giving Kent 28. Texas A&M, thank you. Yep, and I'm with you on that one. I'm taking Texas A&M. All right, last game Sunday, September 5th, a Sunday game. Notre Dame taking on Florida State. This one's in Tallahassee. Notre Dame is giving Florida State seven and a half. I think that number nine ranking is a serious stretch myself. However, I don't think Florida State's all that good. Uh, yeah, I'll take the I'll take the the Bible thumpers. I'm taking Florida State. They're gonna do it for Bobby Bowden. Rest in peace. Yeah, maybe. And they're you know at home. Was, you know what was an interesting game, and it doesn't involve ranked teams, and I don't even think these teams are all that good anymore. Mm-hmm. But but in the last years, or two or three years, or four years, it would have been a huge matchup and i can't even find it on here but i'm sure it's this week what is oh it? yeah uh boise state who used yeah. to be the ucf of the west coast yeah and ucf versus ucf which is the yeah. boise states of the east coast yeah west virginia and maryland's this weekend too i think that one should be uh should be fun i don't know what uh, wvu has got this year not sure uh-huh. not a lot but <laughs> You never know. I mean, yeah, sometimes you, when there's no hype. Yeah, there's no hype. I mean, who knows? Sometimes no hype isn't a bad thing either because the expectations are low. Everybody's relaxed. Uh, kind of like yeah. here on this show. No hype ever. Yeah, no expectations <laughs> at all. No expectations. <laughs> but we do want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening this week to Wide Men Can't Jump. That's our picks this week. Um, and it's been a great, had a great show. And, uh, got it out to you a little earlier than normal. Sorry about that, but life comes first. When's this baby dropping? Wednesday, probably Wednesday afternoon. Okay. I might, uh, might have a little something for the end. Okay. Well, I don't know how, cause I'm not going to be home to put it on. So <laughs> you, you will just goddamn well do what you're told. I, yeah. uh-huh. Young man. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap us up for this week and, uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have more to talk about. As we're getting ready for, we'll look at our picks from this week. We'll look at the first weekend of college football. Uh, if there's any breaking NBA news, of course, we'll be on top of it. And we're also going to look at uh, our picks coming up for the NBA season. Or excuse me, the NFL season. Our first weekend of NFL picks as well. Say, Jesus, we're picking uh, we're NBA, we're not, we're not, not picking NBA picks and we haven't no, even no. had uh, exhibition? Holy cow. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, also next week, we're picking our NFL MVPs, rookie of the year, things like that. Uh, we're going to have some fun with that. So tune in next week, plenty to go with and talk about. We'll be back on the next wide men can't jump. Tim, anything you want to throw in there? Uh, I believe uh, this weekend, Nick Hoff will be, uh, attempting to break the uh, world record for a diaper change. <laughs> and who holds that right now? Um, I believe if I'm not wrong, I believe that's Tom Robinson. 
Well, Tom Robinson's diaper change record is unofficial because looking at the diaper and saying, holy shit, and then leaving does not actually count. Well, I, see, and I thought it was there's an asterisk beside it because it's his own diaper. Well, that, that as well. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us, and we'll be back next week. And again, we're inching ever so close to that huge episode, episode 200, right around the corner, just a few weeks away. So I'm Nate. He's Tim. Jeff's somewhere. And we'll be back next time on Wide Men Can't Jump. Tune in and don't miss it. Anything, Tim? Do you want to throw something else? No? Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. Mm. Nobody likes a good doorknob in the ass anymore. That's a shame. No, that's a lost cause. That's a kink that, man. All yeah. right. Good night. Thanks for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WMCJ. Check us out there and download our podcast directly from Anchor or subscribe on one of the many platforms where we're located, including iTunes, Spotify, and more. Thanks to our great sponsors for making this program possible, New Taylor & Associates at newlawoffice.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, Strip Cam Fun at stripcamfun.com, as well as Stay Classy Meats, located at stayclassymeats.com. Use our promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your order. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Sports Talk with Nate and Tim, and we hope you come back and join us again for our next episode at the same spot you found it last time. Thanks again to the wonderful Horse Burner for providing our intro song, as well as all the other content they bring out. Check them out on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump. We hope to see you back next time. For Tim, this is Nate saying so long for now, and we'll see you again on the next edition of Wide Men Can't Jump.